Is that a reasonable summary? Very good. Any quick clarifying comments? Okay, if not, then we move on to Eric. You know how you listen to other people and you already have your mind made up of what you're going to say and then someone says something, you're like, oh no, I'm gonna say that. <laughs> oh no, they took my idea. Okay, and then you find yourself right back in a circle and you're right back to, what am I going to say? Well, since we only have six minutes, I definitely wanna, before I start off, thank everyone, be, everyone that's here Thank you for taking time to listen. It's very hard to get people to listen. I was told if a rich man whispers, everyone listens, kind of like E.F. Hutton, I know some of us remember. <laughs> um, and then if a poor or poverty-stricken individual screams on a street corner, no one hears them. So it's really good to listen, and it's gonna go right along. A lot of people are saying, Everything that I'm already saying, I'm just going to throw in a couple of extra words. Good. I got five minutes. <laughs> sex. Yes, sex. That's what I said. That's not one of the issues. I just want to mention it. Um, <laughs> but it is along the lines. Um, one of the main issues is love. I mean, we can go on. I could say, well, one of the issues for 2007, 2010, uh, what should we do in a country where there's schools that are teaching violence? Uh, uh, maybe I should say something about a business code of ethics when it talks about a company that says we should behave with honesty and respect, decency towards every employer or employee affected by a business. I know I could also talk about a certain quarterly international journal that defies ethics ethics as a moral or political or legal philosophy. It comes down to love for me. It's real simple. Um, I'm reading from a book, Gabriel Cousins, MD. It's called Conscious Eating. And he's sort of a, right over there with the right-wing extremists, I think, sometimes, because he's from the opinion of raw food, that's it. Eat raw, that's it. Not raw meat, just raw. Plant place, don't cook it, don't even kill the plant. Just somehow take it, live, living, put it in your body. Do that, that's good. And he says, food is more basic than sex. Most people can survive without sex, but very few people on this earth can say they do not need food to survive. Our relationship to food is primarily a means of physical survival, which enables us to relate to others and learn the lessons we need to learn. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. They still say hot and still keep putting hot food in their mouths. So I understand that, and I don't want them to know about sex ever. <laughs> but because the way, once again from Gabriel Cousins, because the way we eat, one eats is a source of security. Now, I'm gonna go straight to the Bible. Yes, the Bible. Dillip told me, no one speaks about the Bible. And I'm glad Randy said religion, because Randy said religion, well, we're just gonna talk about a religion, which in its simplest form is just a tradition of practice of beliefs. Not everybody convert to anything. Now, in the Bible, it goes straight in 1 Corinthians, it talks about love, and it says love is, oh, I already know, love never fails. It's basically patience. Well, if you need patience, then that leads right into the next issue. Because a lot of us are learning how to love ourselves. I grew up with, you are what you eat. 
So if I had a student in my class who said, I love filet mignon. And I said, filet mignon, wow, that's delicious. Yeah, yeah. And other students, ooh, you love filet mignon. I said, you know, that's loin, right? Loin, what's that? Hey, let's look it up in the dictionary. Yes. And those of you who never looked up filet mignon, look it up. It's, it's an eye opener. And immediately the child said, oh, no, no, enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's expensive. It's, it's not cheap. It's your choice. Don't change it just because you discovered what it is. You gotta love yourself and you gotta love what it is that you eat. If your family gave it to you and they love you, and if they spent the money for it, go right ahead. Also in Romans 14, it talks about if you eat vegetables, one's faith is weak. And both my wife and I looked at each other and were like, what, yeah, right, wait a minute, did Jesus die and some other things? No way, uh-uh. And as we study a little bit more about it, because we love studying. So love is just not merely sex. Love is just not merely for family. Love is just not merely what you eat. Love is merely just what, educating what yourself. Yeah, actually I have 57 seconds. <laughs> the next one, and this reads light into the next one, you have to meditate. So the first issue is love. Because we could talk about war, we could talk about issues, we could talk about a lot of different things. But if you don't have love, None of it matters. None of it. In a book, Moss 2, or Moss 5, um, an author wrote the memoir of Art Spiegelman. And he wrote in his book, it's a graphic novel about surviving the Holocaust as a Polish Jew, but it also focuses on his relationship of his father and how they couldn't reconcile it. Basically, you need to meditate. What is important to you? And don't use, third issue, diet versus dominion. Don't use your beliefs, way you eat, just to make yourself superior to someone else. Okay, so if I could summarize, <laughs> Eric had uh, three comments, uh, th three main issues. The, the first issue was love being central to everything, love, compassion, uh, considering others, uh, and, uh, um, and how it's important to teach nonviolence, have codes of ethic, um, have a sense of belief, Centering or meditation is the word he used. Centering is so meditation, having a sense of wholeness, and diet, making sure that you consider what you're eating in the larger scheme of things. Is that a reasonable summary? Last one is diet versus dominion. Diet versus dominion. The way you eat, you shouldn't use it to overpower someone else. Okay. Any quick clarifying comments? Randy, you're on next. Well, I want to thank Eric because uh, when I think about the problems facing uh, the world today, I, I tend to tap a, a menu of outrage that, that doesn't tap on love, and uh, that that's a serious omission on my part, and so I want to thank you for bringing that to the table. Uh, when I thought about this idea, uh, the thing that came up to me was, was uh, first and foremost, is, is our willingness to use violence uh, both uh, institutionally and interpersonally as a means to solve our problems. Uh, I like to pretend that I'm not participating in that, yet I'm, I'm part of larger bodies that are participating in that. So I don't think I can cut myself off from that. So I think that's a big problem in the world today, that violence is somehow okay, that somehow we can use that and use other people as a means to our own ends, and that there's something seriously wrong with that, 
And we haven't stopped that yet. But I think we've made some progress in that we have some questions that are on the table that didn't used to be on the table. Uh, for example, uh, before this country invaded Iraq, there was really an international discussion about the appropriateness of preemptive war. That's a step in the right direction. We're talking about things before we do them. We're thinking about the ethical implications of our actions. So that's, that's one of the things that I think is very important, is our, our willingness to participate in a system of violence. The second thing is uh, sustainability, that we've worked in a number of ways today to have our standard of living, uh, particularly in this country, that is dependent on taking more than our share, taking more than our share from other people in the globe, taking more than our share from our planet, and living in ways that are not sustainable. We uh, have 25% of the population of the, the planet in this country, and we use 75% of the energy. Something's wrong here. We're not uh, sharing very well with the other people on this planet. And uh, this level of consumption that we have is not sustainable. So we have to move to thinking about more sustainable ways of living, more sustainable ways of eating, more sustainable ways of traveling, and we need to work on reducing our consumption. The third thing uh, I'd like to bring out is uh, a concept uh, that uh, Martin Buber talked about uh, when he talked about the concept of I and thou. This is more on an interpersonal level that we need to start seeing other people as other selves. Uh, this is a little anthropocentric. It's talking more about people. Although I think many other people in this room would say that we have to extend that to other forms of life too and see other forms of life as our other selves. I think we might draw the line individually in, in a little different places on some of that issues. But Martin Buber said that there are two types of relationships. There is an I-thou relationship which is deeply personal and really meeting somebody or something in their essence and seeing them as another self. And then there's the I-it relationship, which treats other things as objects for our exploitation and use. So I think we need to move toward an I-thou relationship, not only with each other, but within more and more things, and that that will help bring some of the love that Eric talked about. <clears throat> Okay, excellent. Um, so Randy had, uh, as I understand it, um, I could summarize three main issues. One is that uh, we use violence as a means to solve problems, and it really is not a suitable means to solve problems at all. We really need to have more dialogue. Sustainability, we are over-consumers. This isn't sustainable, and we need to do things in our pers with personal actions to correct that. And, and then he talked about the I and thou versus I and it, Martin Guber relationship issue in terms of exploitation. Do we look at others as independent beings or do we look at them as furthering our own causes and we ought to treat others with respect? Is that a reasonable summary? Very good. Thank okay. you. So are there any quick clarifying questions? If not, then we move on to Lauren Hart. Okay. 
So I just want to thank uh, TVS and the Society for Ethical Culture for having this event. I'm so excited to be coming together for food and uh, the sharing of ideas. And thank you all for coming. Um, and I was doing my read-through in the car just before this event, and I had actually had to pull the, the second topic I was going to discuss, which was overpopulation, uh, because it just was too long. But I want to put that out there because I think that's so essentially important. And uh, unfortunate for all of us, I actually had the answer to the crisis, but we'll have to wait until another time for that. Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, there are many, I'm just going to read and kind of fast because it's a little bit long. There are many serious problems facing us, facing us. Many of us agree on what they are and probably to a large degree on what should be done to improve the situation. With this in mind, I have chosen to discuss violence and I will attempt not just to highlight the many points on which I'm sure we all or, or most of us agree, but to challenge commonly held beliefs. I look forward to your comments and questions. And if I come across as a little bit of a hardliner, uh, please remember that I respect and love all of you. So violence, I suppose most of us here are against it, generally speaking. Humans are not all alike in this regard, however. There are some people who are unapologetic about the use of violence to achieve certain goals. I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that I was a, a wrestler in junior high, and my wrestling coach, for example, would encourage us to hurt the other guy if it increased the likelihood that we would win the match. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, and military and politi political strategists will often promote violence as a means to achieving peace, funnily enough, or less idealistically to gain territory or resources. I assume that many of us here, being vegetarians and vegans and members of the Society for Ethical Culture, are more critical of the use of violence. And I suspect that everyone here in this room desires the end of violence between humans, including domestic abuse and fistfights and war and school shootings. Whether or not the end of violence between humans is achievable, I think that there is every reason to believe that we can exist in a less violent world and that each of us can contribute to this. I think this is not only a goal worth pursuing, but one of the most important ethical issues facing each of us today. Like Gandhi said, if we want to improve the world, we must be the change that we want to see. I imagine that many of us here today live lives fairly free of violence, that we probably do not attack others. And perhaps some of us think that this is enough of a contribution to world peace, but we can and should do much more. There are many active ways that we can support peace. Sometimes the solutions are complicated and we may not be sure of the effects of our actions. But I would like to suggest today, however, that there is one simple yet highly meaningful contribution each of us can make to creating a more peaceful world. This is an action that has immediate benefits for peace while also delivering dividends down the road, and that is to be vegan. It is more than a diet, it is a lifestyle that is committed to nonviolence, compassion, and a more peaceful world. Veganism, as you probably know, means eating a plant-based diet and not using products derived from animals for anything else, such as clothing. Being vegan means not supporting animal exploitation for the purposes of entertainment, and many vegans also believe that animals should not be used for any form of experimentation that harms them or deprives them of their liberty. As the group Friends of Animals says, vegans share a commitment to live as harmoniously as possible with all the world and all the world's beings. And in the words of activist Henry Spira, veganism stems from the belief that it's wrong to harm other beings who, like us, want to avoid pain and get some pleasure out of life. Whatever reason you can provide for not being vegan, I believe there's a compelling answer to the contrary. I'm not alone in believing that since we can live healthfully and happily without using animal products, that we should all be vegan. Many of us believe that this should not be a choice, but that consuming animal products should be outlawed. This may sound extreme, but so too did the abolition of slavery or giving women the right to vote seem extreme to many people at one time. A little bit of slavery is wrong, a little bit of sexism is wrong, and a little bit of violence is wrong, including violence inflicted upon animals. 
The reality of the situation is that animals have an interest in not being harmed by humans. Their lives can go better or worse for them, and there is no morally acceptable reason why any human should cause harm to an animal. Animals have parents, siblings, and friends, and they go through life cycles just as you and I do. To borrow from philosopher Gary Francione, whatever pleasure you get from a steak or ice cream cone or wearing a leather coat, it cannot possibly justify inflicting pain, suffering, and death on an animal. Killing a cow to eat its flesh is obviously violent. There are other forms of animal exploitation which are equally violent but perhaps less obvious. One example is the murder involved in the production of eggs. Be before becoming vegan, I was vegetarian for newly, nearly two years, and I became vegan once I realized the cruelty involved in milk and egg production. To give you one example, I can tell you that nearly all eggs in the U.S. come from factory farms where the male chicks are killed as soon as they are determined to be male, which is within days of hatching. This is a result of economic competition, which is responsible for so much cruelty, cruelty in animal agriculture. In this case, the male chicks are killed because they are of the egg-laying breed, not the meat breed. It is not economically viable to raise, to raise male chicks of the egg-laying breed since they do not give eggs and because they do not produce meat as economically efficiently as the meat breed of chickens. Therefore, they are murdered as infants. Thank you. Therefore, if you are eating factory-farmed eggs, you are supporting this murder. Buying cage-free, free-range, or humanely raised eggs refers to the lives of the female chicks who produce the eggs, not to the male chicks who are likewise, in almost all cases, murdered as infants. I urge you all, if you are not already vegan, to go vegan. Peace begins on your plate. Do it for the animals who are spared harm and death, and do it for the creation of a more peaceful world. A properly planned vegan diet is also great for your health and for the environment. Going vegan gradually may be the wisest choice. I have brought these wonderful booklets uh, for you all on the back table from Compassion Over Killing that describe the whys and the hows of vegan eating, complete with health information, recipes, and answers to frequently asked questions. I've also included this letter inside that I wrote that adds some very important information, including current uh, environmental statistics about the benefits of an environmental diet. And my last paragraph is that on this issue of violence, the last thing that I would like to say is that you should not worry that being vegan involves a great deal of sacrifice. In leading a life of increased ethical integrity, I feel sure, based on the lives of countless vegans, that you will not find sacrifice, but instead an increasing sense of self-fulfillment. Thank you. Okay, Lauren is easy to summarize because he focused on, he, he laser beamed on one issue and his issue was violence. He said that uh, we, most of us would agree we shouldn't be violent, but some of us don't understand. He would argue that implicitly in some of our lifestyle choices we are, he would argue, be, uh, we are being uh, violent if we're not vegan. So his fundamental issue was violence is something we could all agree to and he would like to convince you that being vegan is really a necessary part to, necessary thing to be to combat violence. Is that a reasonable summary? That's a great summary. What I'd like to do is first of all have a round of applause for the wonderful panelists. <laughs> and uh, I've done a, a, probably not a very good job of this, but I just wanted to spend a minute and kind of share my thoughts and some synergies I saw here. I think that we had some fabulous uh, 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 thoughts from all six panelists and uh, I've kind of tabulated uh, three or four different ways I think that there's some synergy. I think that many of the panelists talked about um, the environment. Uh, Brandon talked about how a human-centric view of the world really is leading to ruination of the environment. Uh, Randy questioned sustainability and how um, our uh, living in the environment, uh, uh, we need to have lifestyle choices which are sustainable that can lead us for long-term growth and, and proper use of uh, living together. 
Violence was another commonality I saw. Uh, again, Randy talked about how um, we're complicit in society in many forms of violence. Uh, Marianne talked about uh, uh, penalties and the, the disconnect. Uh, when people do violent things, if you happen to you know, look a certain way or you know, if you don't have a lot of money, maybe you'll uh, not be treated as well as somebody who you know, perhaps looks more uh, quote-unquote acceptable and has some money. So there's, there's violence in that. Stevie talked about the about war and how it seems ludicrous that we're still fighting wars. Uh, Eric talked about the focus on loving and how loving is the fundamental way of combating violence. And, and of course, Lauren talked about animal rights and the violence in, in not eating a, a plant-based diet. Another commonality is almost everybody had a touch on politics, the political system, Stevie especially, and, and Marianne as well, talked about how it's important they feel to have faith in the political system some of Brandon's comments looked at the political system from the opposite perspective, maybe not having faith. Maybe we need to look at some alternatives to both capitalism and socialism. But I think everybody had some touching on politics. And to summarize what all of them uh, have to say, I think that almost everybody said that one thing we need to do is have some form of dialogue. We need to first educate ourselves and then educate others and do so in a compassionate way, not point to others and say, Carolee, you need to do this because when I point to her, I've four fingers pointing back to me. We need to understand the implication of our actions in terms of sustainability, in terms of, you know, is there violence implicit in what we're doing, in terms of are we supporting a political system which is going to war. We, they all talk about engagement. It's important to understand these issues, but also to be engaged in society and share with others. It's important to be unselfish, to understand these issues and share with others and, and try to, what some might call sacrifice for the greater common good. Uh, look for an act of peace, work towards peace, but not just peace, but peace with justice. So it's not just peace, it's also justice. And finally, I think one thing that unifies what all of you guys said is to have a sense of compassion and to really look out at others. So that's just my feeble attempt at kind of tying the, the panel together.